and welcome to the Black Magic Podcast. It's the first time we've gone live, so thank you guys for being here. And if you're watching at home, thank you for joining in and tuning in and listening. So you're in for a treat because we've got two amazing people um, as guests on the show today. We have the wonderful Angelica Bell, who's winner of Celebrity MasterChef and veteran TV presenter, and Jessica Huey, who has an MBE and is an author, entrepreneur, and publicist. So let's get them on stage. So come on, ladies. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> Can I just say this cake is amazing? Okay, so yeah, we have cupcakes. So yeah, don't you, eat all of them. If, I might have one. If you, if, you got, <laughs> if you got a ticket to the live event, then you would have got cupcakes, and the cupcakes are made by the London Cupcake Company, so, and they're vegan as well, so even healthy as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So Kojo was like, what? They <laughs> didn't believe they were vegan because they taste so good. Mm. So yeah, so thank you for the cupcakes. And so, um, so how are you guys? Good. Good, good. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for being here. So, obviously, I know your journey, and I've known you both for a very long time. Yeah. Jessica, I met like years ago when um, twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started out as a journalist at Pride, so at Pride magazine, and um, Angelica, kind of like when I had my own publication, kind of got That's you in right. for like a yeah. photo shoot and interview and things. Yeah. So you know, so it's amazing to kind of see how your careers have evolved over the, over the years and things, and kind of watching and seeing you guys. So, but. Where did that kind of love for what you're doing come from? I mean, did you, at school, did you know what you're doing now, this is what you wanted to pursue? Mm-mm. No. Do you know what? It's funny, because I got an email from my primary school the other day. Okay. And they were having their anniversary, and they want, you know, they'd found out that I went to the school and stuff. Yeah. And I just, I'm, it just sort of brings you back. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, what was I like then, and what was I thinking? And I, can t- I, I had no idea mm. what I would be or what I wanted to do. As it, it, it's strange though, you know, obviously you never know what you're going to do, but I was quite shy, not shy, but I wasn't out there per se, or yeah. I was quite a dumpy thing. <laughs> I had like these, you know, like Clark's glasses. I had the <laughs> massive Clark's glasses. My hair was always like little braids and ribbons. So I was never like the, the best looking one. I never had a boyfriend. You know, there was some, always some girls that always had, a, always had a man. And I was like, nobody ever wanted me. <laughs> So, I don't know. It's, it's funny. It's strange how things pan out. And so you didn't do the stage school? No. Right? No, I didn't. I just sort of just got through life. And, and, and my gran was amazing because she was such a good cook and she just made West Indian food. West Indian. She lived opposite the school. So she was always being like bread and cheese, hard dough bread. And then we'd go to her house and eat. And she'd make, eat her food. And then my sister wasn't really into it. So I'd eat her food as well. So I was always like... <laughs> So, yeah, no, and so I would never have wanted to be in front of the camera. So when did you, when did you, when did you, I guess, lose the weight, if you think, if you saying you were quite I dumpy at school? I think even on CBBC, I wasn't, I was never that bothered about yeah. weight and stuff. But I remember people would come up to me and say, you do look thinner in real life. <laughs> I'm like, cheers for that. Um, but I think I sort of, when I, maybe what was, when I got um, into t- to university, I think, do you know what? When I got my job on CBBC, then I sort of started to think about how I looked, food groups, what I put into my body. Mm. And I always liked sport, but not excessively. Um, so I suppose it was then that, you know, especially because my life changed in a flash. One minute I was just this girl, you know, walking around next minute. And, you know, when I got my job on CBBC, it was on when there was four channels 
So, you know, and I was linking into Newsround and after Newsround, before we went to Neighbours, and that's when like five and six million people were watching yeah. BBC One at that time. So I don't think... I was really aware of the impact I was making at that time because I just think I was in a bubble. One minute I was just, you know, temping and, you know, living in the landlady and the next minute I was on BBC One. And which year was that for the youngsters? Yeah, that was in 2000. That's 2000. when I got, yeah. But how did you get that, get that role? So, I, so I've, I went to university and I did politics and I think the main reason I went to university is because I just wanted... No-one in my family had been to university before me but, you know, my... My stepdad, he was, he was amazing. He was just like, you can do this, you can do that. And so I think sometimes I always I think that I, I could have been better or done something. But because I, nobody, I didn't I have a, a sort of a barometer, I didn't know yeah. what was out there. So yeah. I think that's maybe why I didn't really think I would be anything, just because I just didn't have any trailblazers exactly, yeah. before me. So it was him, he was like, you can do this, you could do that. And um, I had some great friends at school who just helped me and one friend who bought me lunch every day because we didn't have much. And I remember for one of my birthdays, I really wanted a pair of Dr. Everyone was wearing Dr. Martins and they clubbed together and got me a pair of Dr. Martins. And it was those people, yeah, who who took me under their wing and just helped me sort of find myself and be confident. Um, And so did the politics and I was going to go and do law I wanted to do something where I could yeah I don't know just make a difference yeah I know it sounds a bit of a cliche but so but then I wanted to pay off my debt I didn't want any debt <laughs> yeah um, so I was temping at the BBC I did student radio and student um, I did acting at school that that is where I sort of found that my sort of straight confidence because I would take on these roles I did a lot yeah. of acting at school and then I was working in the East Tower where CBBC was and one of the guys said, oh, CBBC's been looking for a presenter for a long time and you're just, you just talk to people and you ask them about them and stuff. And the next thing, literally, was the next, my audition was rubbish. <laughs> I don't know how I got the job because they said, talk about yourself. If you think about it, if you talk about yourself, for, could you talk about yourself for one minute? It's always hard. Yeah. It's hard because yeah. one minute is a long time, you know, if you're not talking about sort of Love Island or something like that. And I remember going, um, I, I sort of like this. And, and then when they finished, I was like, I know that was rubbish. I, I literally, off camera, I was like, please do not judge it. I, I literally went in. And they gave me the job because of what I did off camera. Yeah, so they saw the natural you. Yeah, there. yeah. So and that was that, really. And then. And what about you, Jess? So when you were at school, did you I know that? to be a ballet dancer. Did you? Oh, yeah. Did for years. I came out with these long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too long, it turned out. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because you, when you're, if to be a ballerina, you have to be shorter than the men. Oh, and I think things have even... Yes, yeah, so literally, so they can lift you. So, yeah. And I was crushed when I discovered that to get into the Royal Ballet, you had to be like five, six or under or something and yeah and they can tell how much you're going to grow i'm five seven and a half i think but um that's if i would i don't even know that i was good enough to get in but for me the (laughs) dream was was over because i was i was too tall um but yeah no i mean my break into media came but purely accidentally really Mm. because i i really didn't know what i wanted to do for in my in my teen years I'd, i'd been this really ambitious kid and then suddenly as i got into puberty and stuff um yeah I just lost my direction completely Mm. and my sense of self as I think many teenagers do and I'd ended up I kept I dropped out of my A-levels 
and I took this job because I just wanted to be independent and have my own money so my parents couldn't tell me anything and I had, was one of the first in my group to have one, a phone that had a flip at that time and I thought I was so cool and I just flipped my phone and I had my own money and I was working in a hairdresser's as a junior which was one of the few cashing hand jobs because I think I was 15, no, about 16, 17 and um, had no desire to be a hairdresser. But we had to make small talk with the clients and be friendly. So I'm washing this lady's hair and she's like, darling, you're too intelligent to work here. Come and work for me. And I said, what do you do? Should I run an office over in Holland Park? And I thought, yeah, office works better than sweeping up hair. That would, my dad would chill out a little bit. So I went (laughs) along on the Monday and she said, answer the phone Mm -hmm. and say, Connie Filippello publicity. And I did. And she said, start Monday. And she turned out to be the publicist to all of these A-listers. And that was literally my break into public relations. (laughs) I didn't even know what PR was before that point. You know, it wasn't in my, I didn't know anybody who, who was a journalist or who was a, a publicist, you know, so just one of those like moments. That. And then yeah. we bumped into each other, another, when you moved to another publicist. Gosh, maybe 10 years yeah. later, I mean, 10 years probably later. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fascinating the way that Sixth we're all almost in, yeah, like chapter three of our careers, mm. but it just goes to show the kind of be nice to people yeah. <laughs> along the way. And also... In chapter three, but then had so many different changes along the way, and so many different, yeah. you know, you know. Obviously, you started off as a PR, and then you've moved on to lots of different other things, which we're going to get to get to talk about. I mean, one of the things at the moment is, I mean, you've got a book out. So, do you want to tell everyone just a bit about your book? My book. I'm so proud of my book, and I'm proud of a lot of things that I've done, but it's definitely my my proudest project if Mm. you like because it's the one where I think having been so ambitious for so many years and literally gone from thinking about one goal to the next um, and been in this kind of hamster wheel of doing I wrote the book without planning to write a book so I literally just picked up a pen at a really difficult time in my life my dad was um, terminally ill and I was just expressing and I think the beauty that what I've come to realize is that when we are really present yeah. and we're just, you know, it's coming from that place which is beyond our heads, we produce our best work. And yeah, and it kind of evolved into this book. So, so your dad inspired the book? In many ways, he, he did. But it was the, the, the shift was that I was present. Like I wasn't, because when you're in a situation like that, it's like when you have a baby, mm. you are ejected from normal life. You're not thinking about you're suddenly in this space where you know every little breath is so precious you're just mm. present and that's the it's the, it's the same with the end of life when you know when it's somebody you love you just want to be there and all those deadlines and things go out the window and uh, yeah it's a powerful powerful space to be in so was writing the book sort of like therapy for you to deal with your dad sort of thing it was cathartic but it went beyond that because it was a moment where for the first time I reflected on 20 years of having been 17 and pregnant and then built this you know successful media career started a card company that made history done all this stuff that I'd been applauded for but I had never stopped and just looked back yeah. and gone flipping it that's amazing yeah <laughs> you never yeah. celebrated not every really because I was always thinking about the next mm. and so it was it was cathartic for me for sure but I had something to say yeah and I had something to share which went beyond the surface and all of this you know it's great to be applauded and celebrated but actually what about the fact that I still saw myself as this 17 year old reject even when I was very successful what about that I felt like an imposter at Downing Street like these are important things to share yeah otherwise people just see the gloss so 
Yeah. And do you think that kind of, you, you felt that with, because there's, there's one part in your book that made me laugh, <laughs> actually. What was that? So, <laughs> so um, for those that haven't read the book, I don't want to give away too many spoilers and things, but there's one part where you're talking about relationships and kind of saying how, um, how when, you were, when you were dating or when you were with, with guys, it kind of, you always felt like either that it wasn't going to work out or that... Um, I don't know, there's, there's, there's the time when you say you go to the, go to a shop, I think it's a shop or a, somewhere that oh a girl works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> trust you, Anika. <laughs> we just say that, that part, it did make, it did make me yeah. laugh. I think because I know you, mm. I couldn't imagine you no, doing I'm that. Sure. And so that's, so that's why I was like, oh, my God. Behaviour, let's just say, behaviour I wasn't proud of. Okay. You know, when you find yourself in a situation where you lose your sense of self and so you behave in a way that is beneath you, Yeah. to put that's, it, you know, so, that's so, what it was. So that's what it was. So, that's, so there's a scene in the book where she's talking about her, how um, she thought her boy, you thought your partner was cheating, maybe. Yeah, something like that. And um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and um, a little bit. There was a there was a water incident. Okay, yeah. there was a water incident. Yeah, okay. we'll say, say that. that. I say read the book to find to find out really kind of more about that particular incident. But it made me laugh because I was like, that's not the Jessica that you know that. You know, I I know, or that you know. I guess if people looked, at, if they didn't know you and looked at social media, they would, they would never think that you would ever. Kind and of, this is a long time ago. Yeah. I'm married. Yeah, of course, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, a, there's a journey in the book of, of yeah. how you how you've evolved and things. Yeah. But even then, you know, I guess the perception that kind of, of people have about people, and and that's the thing. I guess I think one of the things that people forget is online and kind of you know online or just the surface is different to the real the real person and and how you can change as well so I think that's a beautiful and I think we have a responsibility to be authentic and mm-hmm. go actually particularly for the next generation you know we don't just land here there is a journey and you know there are things that you know we you will never out you'll never what's that quote you will never supersede your self-esteem so however you feel about yourself is going to define what happens practically in your life so Mm -hmm. it's important to get you know to really to work on that and definitely definitely I mean I know that um I think myself as a person have worked has worked on that and I try and form these daily habits where I get up in the morning and you know I've got a positive affirmation stuck on my wall that I'll say and try and do stretches and listen to kind of like motivational music <laughs> or a talk and things. I mean, do you have kind of any kind of morning routines or habits that like set you off for the day? I do get up early. Mm. Michael hates it. <laughs> He's just like, what? Just calm down, just relax. But I like to get up early and start things and, and achieve as much as possible in a day. Yeah. I don't know, it's funny because... Um, one my friend from university the first person i ever met at university she died a few years of breast cancer um a few years after we left and i think when you and and since then you know i've had friends that have passed away and i think when you and you know maybe a bit like with your dad when you have people in your life and they go in an untimely way i think it does make you reassess and just think actually do you know what if this is the last day i'm going to be on this earth i want it to be fun i want it to count you know so I try, I, I'm quite an upbeat person. I always think the glass is always half full. There's a solution. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, yes, things may be difficult. There might be situations where you just wish that hadn't happened, but you can just face them and stuff. So, but I think, so that's one of my mantras, but I generally try and just 
go for it and just do as much as I can in the day. So I don't really have any stretches or... I do, I do like to go to the gym if I can, if I can mm. fit it in, or, you know, but I just think, wake up and just try and be positive and just think, right, today's going to be a good day. Yeah. I always think when bad things happen, I'm like, okay, well, there's nothing that's permanent except death. That's the only thing that, I guess, we, like... But other, other things can change. It yeah. might not change today, it might not change next month, might not change in a year, but eventually, kind of, you know... Yeah, exactly. You can kind Even of, if you just, you know, someone's upset, you can just say, I'm sorry, or that's changed that already, or... You, forgot to get something in the shop you're like oh and you just go back to you know what I mean it's just like let's put things in perspective and and stuff so yeah I mean you're both kind of you're both married you're both busy women raising a family and things I mean how do you manage to juggle it all well I decided that I was going to you know having this moment out from of stuff like I decided that from that moment onwards I was going to have my life work for me and I was going to put the things which I needed to be well mind body spirit at the center of my life so um, that meant working from home or wherever I choose to work it meant getting to yoga three four times a week it meant doing the school run for the most part Mm. Um, but you know I've served my time to be able to do that you know it's been many years of working six seven days a week coming home and then picking up the laptop starting again um, but yeah, ultimately, we have that power to create and design our lives to work for us. So, you know, I would just say always work with that in mind. Um, I hosted an event a couple of days, and it was really wonderful to hear these young ladies on the table talking about having um, passive income streams, mm. having money coming in for them without them having to do anything. Exactly. Like, you know, if we start thinking intentionally about how we want our lives to work for us early on, mm. then we can't help but create that. You know, you don't want to get into that situation where you're just on this kind of hamster wheel, yeah. um, which I found myself on for many years. But how, at that time, how did you juggle things at that time when you, you know... I mean, I was young, single mum for most of it. So my parents helped. They mm. helped with, you know, after school. Um, I was just, I hardly slept. I mean, mm. I worked. I, I worked and I worked and I saw results because of my work, but it wasn't healthy. Um, so, you know, it's a, it, it was a, a juggle. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for on me, on the other side, because when I worked at CBBC, I, you know, I didn't have children and stuff, so I was working like six days a week and stuff. But then Michael, I wouldn't be able to do what I do with, without Michael. He's amazing. And, and it's, he's, just, he's just cool, and he's just like, yeah, you know, angelic. And also, it's about balanced scales. So if one person's working a bit more, the other person's with the family. Mm-hmm. And then you go back. And... And I don't mind that. It doesn't bother yeah. me. It's like, yeah, you go out. As long as the money, the money goes into the same pot, but always one of us is doing the school run. Mm-hmm. And always one of us is putting them to bed. And you make sacrifices. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I think as well, Mike and I talk about this. Everybody has to do what's right for them. Mm-hmm. You have to know what you, you... As long as you can go to bed and you can sleep peacefully, you have to know what works for you. Yeah. And so Michael, and Michael's adopted. So... He wants to have a special bond with his children. I understand that because he didn't have mm. that per se. Yeah. And then for me, you know, I want to be really present. You know, my parents put up when I was quite young, and I was very aware of that. And so we just want to make them feel safe and happy and stuff. Mm. So I would rather, you know, work in any old shop and stuff as long as my children are happy. Mm. So as long as I can still do, you know, TV. 
and it, they're still happy and it worked and cool if it doesn't then I'd have to reassess because they're the most important thing but it is sacrifice yeah maybe I could we could be a bit more richer and wouldn't be thinking about have we got enough for the next month do you know what I mean for the bills but then we're still laughing about it mm. and so yeah it's about it's sacrifice and also do you know another thing I've learned um, to say no I don't feel bad about yeah. saying no and also I don't mind saying no and thinking ah oh, what am I missing out on I, don't, I never feel like I'm missing out yeah because I've got is everything because, I need or is that because you've already done it or you just or it's just because you're happy you're in a place where you're I just think I'm happy I think we see so much in the press of people unhappy mm-hmm. and you know we know about so much mental health issues at the moment and stuff so you have to find that equilibrium in your head and if you're if you feel that that's where you're at I mean maybe you know in a few years time it might be different things might change but right now this is what I want to do and I don't mind if someone else has got that job or you know or I got paid less. You know, things like that. You know, things that you can get worried about. I just like, hey ho. I mean, you've had a 17-year career in. Um, Have I? <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I don't, it looks like it just started yesterday. No. <laughs> you, you, you do actually. I mean, <laughs> you, you both look. You both look. I won't say ages, but you both look so much younger than, than your years. So you both look stunning. Just, just saying. Bless anyway. you. I'll give you a little, little tip later. Yeah, thank you. She got the Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. Hey, spreading spread the Beyonce magic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> so you've had such a long career in the industry. How do you? How has it changed since you started till now? It's interesting what you said about how the grafting. You know, we grafted even like Kojo. We grafted, didn't we? And and I think there is this tendency now that things people want things now, want it now. You know, and and I think that stood us in good stead. You know, maybe at the time we're like, oh my gosh, I'm working, you know, but I think maybe, you're right, maybe we do feel a bit more relaxed because we know we put that time in and stuff. But I guess with media, you just never know mm. because sometimes in, you know, the aesthetics of television and media, you, you don't necessarily get judged on your talent or yeah, your skill. Definitely. It's on whether you're in vogue or how beautiful you are or, mm. you know, if you've got the right weaving. I don't know, do you know what I mean? All yeah. those sort of things. So it's... You have to, so you can't take it personally. I think as soon as you start taking that personally, that again can affect you inside and, you know, and make you feel bad about yourself. But if you can see it for what it is, I think that's what I've learned to do, to see it for what it is. There'll always be people, I mean, what's quite good, because I'm I'm just under the periphery, you know, just doing my little thing. But, you know, for people who are really famous and they get negative press, this and that, it must be really difficult to try and maintain your sense of being your sense of presence that you talk about without trying to think who do I have to be for that person or who do I have to be for that person so I think once you you know that you can just roll with the punches and um, you recently announced that you're um, going to be presenting the um, Martin Lewis money show oh yeah so so, so I did the last series and that's coming back yeah um, do you know what's funny so I've done TV for a long long time and just been there and then you do, you know, I've done a few bits and bobs and then I did MasterChef mm. and it was, I think it was the first time that I did something where I had to, re- you can't hide your personality, I mean most <laughs> people who know me, they're like, flip it, heck. in real life you're a nutcase, but when you're on television you're like, hello <laughs> do you know what I mean, I'm like, i got to pay the bills um, so it was, you know, in that sort of stressful environment I just had to be me and yeah. you know, and and since then, I've just been doing other bits, like Martin Lewis Money Show, um, and 
well, oh, I'm coming to do the beat. I'm doing a cooking show. Start filming for that. And I've just done some dog rescue stuff and then the one show. So, yeah, so I've got, like, little... Yeah, things diff- happening. Yeah, yeah, things happening. But nothing too overwhelming that I can't keep a grip on it and hands yeah. on it and still, you know, be a mum. Nice. So, in relation to money, I wanted to ask you both, what is the one thing that you wish you'd known about money that you know now that you'd wish you'd known when you were younger? Mmm... Are you going to go first? I'm done. You want me to do my talk? Yeah, you can go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a clue. You have mine tickets, I'm not ready. Indelicate, hook your mouth. Do you know what? Growing up, because we never had any money, yeah. from a young age, that's one thing I did think from a young age, I thought, I'm never going to be in debt. Mm. So I've never had a credit card. Okay. Never. And, never, I, and I've always thought... Credit, no, credit, right? So to have a good credit score say. and things. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm all right at the moment. Next thing is, no, you can't have that. Um, so I always said that I didn't want to be in debt. So, and oh, oh, my stepdad's from up north, and he's like, and always the best, the best bargains, the one left on the shelf. So I, I've always grown up thinking, if I can't afford it, I'm not going to have it. Mm. Just because I've seen, I didn't want to, you know, growing up, it was always like, have we got enough money? Yeah, what, what we do, and so I just. Because of that, I think that gave me drive. Yeah. You live within your means. Yes. Oh. And um, I remember when I got my job at CBBC, I, moved, I lived with this amazing lady who basically, I just rented a room mm. and the rent was cheap. And I saved every penny I earned for CBBC in the first two years. Wow. It was in, I was in Ealing and I just bought a little, my little single to White City, single back, and everything went in the back, bank. And... Um, you're disciplined as well. But I just, I had a goal. I just wanted, you know, nobody owned their own house, mm. you know, in my family. And I th- said, that is what I want to do. And I remember Otis, one of the, another presenter at CBBC, he's like, come on, jelly man, come on, let's go out, let's do this. And I'm, I would do. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we talked about it the other day, he goes, you've always had that where you just like, no, no, it's cool, we'll go out, but I'm just going to go back here, I'm going to stay here, I'm not going to rent yeah. or hang out with you guys. And... I, every penny I earned was my first deposit for my house. Amazing. And that's how I've done it. It's not because I have not made loads of money from telly. It's because I, from that first instance, I was like, I've got a job mm-hmm. and I'm going to save. And that is how I've managed to progress. Which is amazing. I think they say, like, every um, person in the UK at the moment, I think, doesn't... Because they say you should have three months' salary and savings. That's what, they, that's what the experts say anyway. But they say most people have, like, less than £100, like, yeah. savings in their it's bank really account. It's really difficult for young yeah. people now, you know. Mm. It is. Things have changed. But I guess, you know, it's, it's hard. I did, you know, I did sacrifice. I could have been living in, you know, living at that fun life like I had at university, but I was just like, no, no, no. Like, like Scrooge. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that bad. I'm just joking. I, I did the you. opposite to you Angelica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got you, an you, <laughs> you, you lived yeah. it all right. Yeah, you you know what? It's so funny listening to you because my, my, and it's funny how you can be in the same family and have completely different habits because my yeah. brother has always been so good, like just so diligent and yeah. But I think for me, you know, money is one of those things that if you're not careful, it will define you and you will feel good or bad depending on whether or not you've got any, um, which is rubbish. But hey, it's human behavior. And so for me, I think having gone from having none, like with a baby on benefits and feeling like nothing, yeah. when I started to do well, 
I never wanted to feel broke again. Mm. Right. So that kind of, yeah. And then being a journalist in my early career and being flown to all these incredible places free. Yeah, at the time, that would flow all these <laughs> Yeah, the, the industry was like that then. Yeah. You'd be flown out on these press trips and they would basically put out the red carpet because you're a press and they have to give you the best possible treatment. Mm. I became accustomed very early on to really nice things and places. Yeah. And then it was like I couldn't go to rubbish hotels anymore. So, yeah. It's so fun Yeah, it took me um it took me a while to work a long time to really work out my relationship with money. Mm. I never had a problem making it. You know, I've always been when you're proactive and you're creative, you'll always, you know, make it, but you want to make it work for you. So probably the thing I would have wanted is just the, the, what I mentioned, you know, how to make money work for you and yeah. have it coming in so that you can take a break if you need a break because life mm. throws stuff at you and, and still be okay. Well, then I guess, it, well, you know, that is amazing, you know, those press years. I've never had one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in TV, you know, there's been times where, you know, I have been working this morning, but then times there hasn't been and I mm. have been like, okay, maybe... Isn't, you know, you know, and it goes in peaks and troughs. So as long as you're realistic, that's another reason why I save. Yeah. So that when those period down periods, I'm not. There. Yeah. Or I, you know, I can think, okay, I've got this much time, and you know, you can assess where you're at and stuff. So it's it's just you know, I hate that again, keeping it real, but just remembering that the industry I'm in, mm. as long as I'm happy to go back to where I was before, yeah, then everything's cool. And I think that. That makes me happy in knowing that, mm. because I think if I'd be stressed if I was thinking, if this, what, what happens if I'm not, what if I'm not going to get that job? Blah, 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 I'd just be a wreck. But I'm just like, cool, yeah. you know. You're cool because you've you've had that mindset and you you know you're covered and yeah, you're or, happy doing whatever. Or I could just go and do something, something else. else. Yeah. She knows who she, she is. Yeah. Her sense of self is not yeah. defined by right. her job, mm. and that's that's really critical because mm. otherwise you run into all sorts of problems if you don't. You have to know that you're you're going to be good. You're okay. You still feel good about yourself yeah. without this stuff or without these particular mm. roles. Yeah. And that's what you kind of talk about. That's what you talk about in your book, not letting all these other things mm. define you and you thinking actually being having to look for. External validation and things, and I think a lot of people today, you know, you look on social media and you know they think likes, you know, them getting yeah. all these likes is a, a big thing. Them, you know, if you're an influencer, they think this is this amazing. And I'm not saying it, it isn't, but you know, you can't let that validate you if if you don't get you know a million likes and things. So, and I think your book talks about just being happy with who you are without you know without the name without whatever it is that you're associated with getting to know getting to know you know because a lot of people don't know a lot of us you know we get so you'd be surprised you know it's not just people in the public eye it's people in sort of senior roles um they their sense of self is defined by their importance and without that title on a business card they don't know you know you asked you ask them who they are, they don't know. Yeah. What is it that you stand for? Like, what do you care about? What's meaningful to you? These are the sorts of questions that once we know those things yeah. and we build a life from that space, that's where we really start to experience fulfillment. Otherwise, it's the wrong way around. We're trying to constantly fit into boxes as opposed to bringing all of who we are and carving our lives from that space. It's, yeah. a, it's a completely different way to approach a life, actually. And so what kind of really kind of like that thinking, how did it really get triggered and how have you kind of kept it up kind of trying to, to think that way about yourself? I, I can only bring it back to that moment of presence mm-hmm. um, because, you know, if you don't stop to reflect, if you don't stop to 
sort of be with yourself, you know, and sometimes there's difficult things to face, there's painful things, and, and then there's also memories that, you know, it was incredible, this, this moment of just being, you know, all of the kind of childhood things, like wonderful memories that came back to my consciousness and all sorts, and, and this, this book... Um, so was your dad a presence in your life growing up? Had he, yeah, yeah, massively. Okay. We were very, very close. So, you know, I, I sort of just, I was getting married as well. So that sort of <laughs> six months was me planning my wedding in Jamaica um, and caring for dad, who was, you know, coming to the end of his life. So all yeah. of the things that had previously held so much importance yeah. just didn't. Yeah. And that's the sort of circle of life as well. Yeah, You're getting married yeah completely. You're your family. Yeah. And, you know the person. Yeah, you well, your you, your dad was at your wedding. He was. Uh, yeah, he, he got to we got him to Jamaica, which was yeah. was really special. But it, it's yeah. Once you you know the writing was like coming back to a piece of myself that I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten that. I, but uh, you know, as a kid, I'd love to write, and I love the process. So it was like now, I'm never going to stop writing. Yeah, because it makes me happy. You know. So, but if I hadn't had that moment, perhaps I never would have. Picked, you know, thought of taking that 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 route and getting the book published. Did you when you started writing? Did you know it was gonna you were gonna publish the book? No, it was just a piece of back of an envelope. It was there was no strategy, <laughs> none. And then when I started to think about it, I thought actually, the book I should do for my career is one on building an authentic personal brand because that will serve my career. That makes sense. Mm. And I started writing and I thought, you know what, this would have a value because I've got lots to say, but that's not the book I, that wants to be written right yeah. now. So blow what I should do and blow what I need and let me do what I need to do right yeah. now. And it's kind of honouring that, that truth in ourselves that, you know, if we're brave enough to go, actually, I'm not really fulfilled in what I'm doing, be it a relationship, be it a job. Let me explore what, you know, that thing that does light me up. Yeah. That's when magic starts to happen. And I think growing up, I would say that I had to know, like, because I wanted to, oh, to always work in the media industry, but I had to know that I could be, if I could see it, because growing up in Birmingham, there wasn't anybody that I could see that worked in the creative industries or media. So the person that inspired me the most was my mum, but not because she was connected to any, just because she was just so fearless with everything that she did. So who are the women in your life, or be it in your life, or even, you know, if there's people out there in the media or on TV or anywhere that's inspired you? Diana Ross. Chain reaction, top of the box, 1987. She comes out, uh, yeah. the white fur coat, her hair was longer and bigger than mine. You know, like, because I just, you just, yeah, and I was just like, she's amazing. Yeah. You know, that moment, and then she's got this yeah, spangly that's dress. <laughs> but what was it about that? It's just, just, it's just, just, it's that, that thing, it's that, that seeing something. It was yeah. Mariah Carey with the curls mm. and Diana Ross. They were the two mixed heritage women who were like, you know, out there and yeah so it's there's 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 a real power in yeah just seeing yourself represented and seeing seeing what's possible mm. Mm. what about you i think i think it was um oprah because that you know growing up she that was when she you know she made such a big impact and had the chat show and stuff and seeing someone who looked like me mm. on on camera so a long time i'd look watch her and she had this confidence and and then what was interesting is that she diversified her career. Yeah. You know, so she wasn't just that. She didn't, she didn't let one thing define her. And that's quite an interesting concept in itself, that you yeah. just think, actually, I want to try that, and I can still do that, and I'm going to do it well. Um, so she was amazing, and it was really fascinating, because this year I got to interview her. 
So I was covering on the one show, and they were like, so my boss said, you were interviewing Oprah, and I was like, what? Talking <laughs> 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 about shorts. Um, so she came on, and you know, I was a little bit like, wow, this is the, you know, most people, I always think that everyone should have a dream. Yeah. Even if you think it's the most silly dream or unattainable, have it because it will just make you look. You know, I'm still going to be in the Spice Girls. That's my dream. Um, but so my dream, you know, to meet, meet, meet Oprah, but I never thought it would happen. Yeah. Never. So I remember I was quite anxious on the day. And Matt was, Matt was like, Are you okay? I was like, Yeah, I'm fine, fine. So we went down to meet her. And I remember I just stood back. The room was full of, you know, there, there was three of them Hollywood stars, Reese Witherspoon was there and stuff, and they're all well, their entourage. I remember I'm just going to sit back and just take this in because it was quite manic as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then they introduced me to her, and I just stood back, and she, I was wearing these heels, and she's like, Oh my days, how do you walk in those shoes? And so then we just started having this conversation. This way, and she literally took that off. She'd look looking at my shoe. And, looking, and, and I was like, I'm like, yeah, the shoe's wearing flats. Yeah. And then she started putting her shoes on. I said, I need some of those. And then her, um, I was talking to her makeup artist and stuff. And it was really nice. And I went back up. We did the interview. And I thought, okay, this is my one chance. I'm probably never going to see her ever again. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, shame, shamelessly said, please, can we have a selfie, Oprah? Of course. You have, you you have, have to. to. You have to. to. I was like, you please. Jamie, you know I mean? usually I'm just like, yeah, yeah, see. <laughs> 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 and um, she's like, of course. And she goes, is this a moment for you? <laughs> and I went, yes. Yes. Because I used to watch you and, and I explained a bit. So she goes, right. So we start doing the picture. And you know, do you know that thing when you start doing a selfie and no one looks at the camera? <laughs> yeah. And their eyes are that way. And I was like, I had a split second to say, are you going to tell Oprah where the camera is and where to look? <laughs> and, I, and I did. <laughs> so I go, Oprah, the camera's there. <laughs> once in a lifetime do you know what I mean yeah. you've got to act fast exactly and so she goes right right so we take the picture and I go like that and she goes that's the shot <laughs> <laughs> and that was that so you know that was a moment oh, oh. You know, and that was a dream for me to meet somebody who'd been so influential mm. and, and, and a positive positive influence on my life oh, well I'm very jealous because I Oprah's on my vision board so I know I'll that one day it there. It's, it's there and my business partner Kojo got to meet her so I was very very jealous yeah. well, say, around the same time as you when um, a wrinkle in time was, um, was happening good thing. Oh. so you know it's on the vision board I mean do you ladies have a vision board actually do you do you ever do that yeah I do yeah I do and it's it's, it's incredible it's again it's about it's just a tool for mm. being intentional Who's oh, that? Someone, someone in the Hello? Hello? Yeah. Is it Oprah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speak to her. Tell her busy. I'll call her. Yeah. Tell her to come on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, log on and she can see what's going on. Yeah, you know, like if you keep, you've got to keep what, you've got to, however you do it, you know, Angelica wakes up and she just has this decision, she makes a decision to try and have a positive outlook for the yeah. day. It's about being intentional. And I think having a, a vision board or whatever you call it, you know, mine's a mixture of words and places and things that, yeah, I, I, want, I want to remind myself of what's yeah. important to me and what I feel moved by. Um, and I've got them from like, you know, if I look back to 2015, I can see things that have come to fruition. If I look back to like 2012, I can see. So Amazing. it's incredible because it's in our subconscious and then, you know. Yeah. It's, Maybe I should it's, do one. Maybe I should do. One. I do it with my little yeah. one as well. Do you? Yeah. yeah, we did it. Just cut out. He's got like leaves, <laughs> and then you know, football. He's oh. got Will I Am. Will I? Yeah. <laughs> he's got him on his vision board. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to meet him. Yeah, I because so. I think sometimes you know what? Sometimes I, I what I am bad at is 
I sometimes I just think I should be grateful. Mm. I think I, I do. It's, it's bad. It is bad. I just think I should be grateful for what I've got. And sometimes you need to think, do you know what? I'm good. Yeah. And I can get more. You can do both. That's both, are you? Yeah, yeah I, I know, both. but I think, sometimes it's like, you know what it is? Yeah. It's like, you know, sometimes when you think like that, you just, and you don't achieve it, you're just like, mm. you know, you might think you're a failure or something. Yeah. But I think I need to be a bit better, maybe. I think you can express yeah. gratitude and, like, you know, humbly. And, and, not necessarily just just be grateful for the things that you have yeah, and you've achieved yeah. but then also That's you it. can and it's not all things yeah. it's, it's 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 okay what do you like how do you want to be of service in the world like reminding yourself the contribution that you want to make yeah, it doesn't yeah, have to yeah. be the car or the no i'm because i'm not being too illicit but you know what i am when i did when i was on cbbc for that yeah. period i don't think i was really aware of what i was doing yeah. and the people i was um presenting to and it's like now i'm having all these the old it's next generation say, I used to watch you yeah. on CBBC and you've inspired me and it and it moves me to tears mm. and and I think, gosh, you know, I have impacted those people's lives and and it makes me feel good. And it makes me feel good that I've done something for them. Or they say or people come up to me and say, Oh, I didn't you know, you were a black girl on T V and I had yeah. no one and you you know, I saw you and and that that's amazing you know sometimes i don't give myself credit for yeah. that and and i think it's important mm. no definitely i mean if you think about it you know 17 years you've been in the industry but even till today we're still talking about diversity within the creative industries i mean what's what's your take on that do you think you know are people are doing enough to get people that look like us within the industry you know has it changed has it improved is it still the same I think it's better. Mm. Yeah, but it's it's tricky. It's 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 hard because obviously, oh, I don't know. It's you know it's been good. I think it's excellent. And but you know when all that started happening, I was you'd be in meetings and people would be saying to me, "It's a good time for you." <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. I've been here. Yeah. All <laughs> now, this. Now this is your Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's like well, you know so. <laughs> I think it has to be, I think it needs to be a bit more robust. Yeah. You know, and, and also not to be like, oh, this is your chance and stuff. No, there's some good people yeah. out there who are so talented. So don't see it as, as that. See it as like, you know, yeah. don't see it. Just let's, let's get on with it. Yeah. Let's not make it, let's just put them on screen, let them out. And also we need to give people in our community, um, let them know about opportunities. So whether we all go out, you know, and so, so they know where they can get the jobs or what, what to do. Sometimes that's difficult because yeah. if you don't know where to find that or where you want to do it, it's tricky. You still might be super intelligent and have all the skills, but, you know, if you don't know where to go, um, that might be difficult. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was involved with a project recently and, you know, we know this conceptually, but what I became really aware of is that they thought that they had catered in terms of diversity they okay. thought they had mm. oh they'd already done enough yes they thought that there was a representation of individuals and that's because there was nobody on the team who could say actually this isn't really representative for these reasons yeah. and, the, and it's important because they so that the intention is pure and I think often that's the case but there isn't somebody around the table who can point out that actually having somebody who's mixed is not the same as having somebody who is fully black 
as f- fully Afro hair, you know, yeah. natu- th- these are, it's not the same for children who are looking for people that look like them and are not seeing it. it mm. it's, it's not the same. And so I think this education, because what's happening on screen is always going to be impacted by what's going on behind the screen, yeah. off screen. So it's that continued education um, and, and, yeah, the hiring, you know, the recruitment. It, there's, there's so much, um, but there is progress. Um, in your life so far, what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learnt so far? Like that you've, that you've, when you look back, you think, okay, actually, actually, I'm going to change that question. If you could go back to tell your younger self anything, you know, now knowing what you know, what would that be? What advice would you give your younger self? Don't throw that water in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was part of my journey too. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. That'll be really curious now. I'm going to read my book. Yeah, I'm making. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's going to make everyone want to buy now. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. Of all the content, anyway. Um, do you know what? Probably it's just good. Just be who you are. But, you know, honestly and truly, like, everything is as it's meant. I really believe that, you know, things pan out the way they're supposed to pan out. And nothing before its time and all of those cliches. So I wouldn't change anything. Honestly, I wouldn't. Right, yeah, yeah, probably mine's saying sort of everything happens for a reason, but you can fix it. Mm. Whereas before I used to sometimes think there was no hope growing up. But now there was always no. hope. Mm. That's nice. Amazing. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> so, we're going to take um, a Q&A from the audience. So, if anybody, if you've got a question, put your hands up. We've got a mic here that can come round and you like can ask. Yeah, so yeah. Don't be, sh- don't, don't be no, shy, guys. Yeah, okay. so, so, yes. If you can say your name and... So, I'm Vanessa Cruikshank, and um, it's really interesting listening to you both talk, because I think, as women, we, we have a lot of issues where we sometimes think we're not good enough, and we think that we're the only person that's kind of going through that. Like, we're achieving all these different things, but you're still up there on stage, or you're still up there in the job thinking, everyone's going to realise that I'm that I'm rubbish, that I don't know what I'm doing. But, so I just wanted to say that I kind of identified with that when you guys were talking. But my question to you was, what next for both of you, like in your careers? Because you've both achieved so much. Where do you want to go next? What's, what's the, not the end goal, but the next steps for you, both? Well, I've discovered this beautiful new world of writing which I've I love you know people are like, oh is it stressful right no I loved it and I wrote it by night like literally was working in a day came home and did my next chunk um so I will keep writing but yeah, the difference is now I'm much more I pay attention to I don't feel there's no I'm nothing's fixed it's like you know what is it that I want to do now what do I feel called to I'm listening to myself as opposed to feeling like there's this predetermined goal so I'm still ambitious, just as ambitious, but it's, there's no need for the next thing. I'm good. Like, I'm just good. It's a nice, nice space. And it takes a lot to kind of get there, I think, when you're just happy with yourself. Yeah, yeah, and it's not, it's not out of work. <laughs> um, I like, love what you're saying there. I, you know, I'm cool and whatever happens, but I'm st- maybe I'm starting to think of my vision board already. Mm. <laughs> You know, I would love to probably be on pro- the 
black female on primetime telly. Mm. I know it, it's feel really hard for me to say that. Mm. Can I say it? Yeah. Say it. But Speak it into do you know existence. what I mean? <laughs> I, I think I would love that. Mm. Also, to be... Do you know what? It's so nice that you asked me to be here. I was quite shocked you asked me, <laughs> because I am quite... Keep myself yeah. on the periphery of it. And the photo shoot's like, I've got nothing to talk about. Um, <laughs> like, this is Angelica. Look, look, you've done yeah, so much. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting, because sometimes in the industry that I'm in, sometimes, you know, you feel like you're just at the bottom of the, you know, the food chain mm-hmm. and stuff. But, you know, like, when I see people from my community, which I love, I'm proud to be St. Lucian, I'm proud to be black, you know... I realised that, you know, maybe I have got to push forward for not just for me, but for other people. Mm. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. Oh, do you know what, as well, we need to see more people. I was thinking about this. More black faces on billboards, mm. advertising stuff. So maybe we could get a few of us doing stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Why can't we be up there? <laughs> Oil of Ole. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, actually, there's a lady in the audience. <laughs> the lady in the audience, B, is part of um, um, a campaign called Project Embrace, where they're on billboards around the UK at the moment, showing women with natural and Afro hair yeah. and things. So it's been amazing, amazing to see. So, but definitely more of that yeah. would be great. And uh, I was thinking, one of the things that's great about you is you've consistently worked throughout the industry. Um, and there's lots of people that are in the public eye, and where they're splashed on the newspaper and the magazines and the front page, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're working. They just, you know, they just they might be highlighted by the media for some reason. But you've consistently worked, worked, and I think that's an amazing thing and something that you should be proud of because you know there's lots of people that come and go within this industry, and and you're still here. Thank you. So, any other questions? Don't be. There's one. Hey, okay. at the back. How are you doing? Hi, I'm Portia Clark. Um, I'm half set Lucian, so yeah. Hey. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> What was that? Um, So I work predominantly in the music industry and the music industry in the UK right now is very strong. Um, Before we used to look at America a lot and I go to the States quite often. Uh, When I go to the States I see brown faces, black faces, all different kinds of chocolate. Um, And do you feel that in the UK we're going to get to that point where the music industry in the UK is very strong but I still feel that, like you ladies said earlier, that there's not a lot of black faces, not a lot of brown, caramel, or different shades of black on TV. At what point do you think um, the people in those positions are going to say, do you know what, enough is enough. Is enough. People on TV don't look like the actual people that live within, within the UK. At what point do you think it's going to kind of get to that? I know it's kind of like a difficult question to answer in the sense of to say, oh, on the 10th of March, on this day, it's going to happen. But I don't really know that part of the world as well as that part of industry as much as music. I think we'll continue to see an increase because we're in a time now where, um, you know, across industries, people are standing up for their right to be at the table. Um, And that's not just an ethnicity thing. It's, you know, it's around gender, it's around disability, it's around sexual orientation, you know, Mm. across the board. um, It feels like a little bit of a watershed moment where, you know, and even down to hair how I speak I just want to be able to bring all of who I am to work um, and the companies that aren't recognizing that they need to open up and kind of um, you know that these ideologies around how what 
the right candidate looks like are outdated, they're missing out on mm. the talent. So even from a business perspective, that, that need, that gap between in the workforce is, is driving change. What's going to take longer, so we'll see a, a shift in the numbers, but what's yeah. going to take longer is for people to feel happy in those workforces. Because, um, you know, to have a shift in the way that we are, that we relate to one another, we need a shift in consciousness, and that's going to take longer. And all we can be in control of is us and checking in with, you know, whether our ideologies and mindsets are just inherited from our parents and our grandparents or whether they are truly who we want to be in the world. So the responsibility starts here with each one of us as individuals. And um, it's funny because um, when early on in my career, a lot of people would say to me, you need to go to America to make mm. it. And... And I'd be like, why? I don't want to. This is my home. You know, this is where I want to. But I think, you know, I am get, I, I'm getting a bit more work. And no, I'm not saying like that. But, I'm, you know, there's more of a presence. You know, yeah. people are saying that I'm doing more. And I know there's other, other um, uh, diverse faces on telly more. But so I totally it's exactly what you're saying. It's a consciousness. It's about, you know, making sure that we are doing what we can as well, but I want to make sure that we can do it here and not, you know, we've got so much talent. I mean, yeah. I talk to, you know, actors and presenters, they say they've gone over to the other side, but we need to sort of consolidate here and maybe, you know, make a revolution. I don't know, I don't know, but just move forward. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of people, I guess, along the way that have given up because of these, these things and these influences and things, but I always think, you know, be consistent and persistent and, you know, you might not get to where you want to want to be, but you'll at least be in the industry. Yeah. Or you might, you know, you might you might get to where you want to be because you've been consistent. But you know, there is a problem. At the end of the day, you can't change other people's mindset. No. Yeah, no. What you can change is how you are and your mindset and <coughs> and adapt, maybe. Yeah. And use your voice. Yeah, that's the other thing. You know, we have to be willing to speak. You know, and sometimes that takes courage. It sometimes does. that's really uncomfortable. Sometimes yours is the only voice in the room. But, you know, are you going to speak? Yeah. So when I talk about the responsibility starting here, it's not that we can change, you know, other people, but we can use our voice and we yeah. can make sure that when we go to bed at night, we've done what we can. Definitely. Any other questions from the audience? I'm Davina. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys, um, working in the media, sometimes you can kind of feel like you might have achieved all you can in particular roles or particular situations. Have you ever felt kind of lost in your career and tried to find a different thing to do or a different career or, do you know what I mean, find something like a different path because you felt like you've done all you can in a particular position? Yeah, I mean, I moved from journalism to PR. Um, and then I just, you know, I moved out of showbiz PR into PR for entrepreneurs. Um, but it was a bit different. It was more about me outgrowing the environment and starting to feel like I just didn't get this kind of whole celebrity, not celebrities, but this kind of, you know, I was working in showbiz PR when this celebrity industry erupted and Big Brother started and, and reality TV. And it was a real, you know, it was a time where if you slept with a footballer, you were paid like a lot of money to sell your story to the newspaper. It created this kind of um, machine, which, you know, I found myself 
working around for a while and in the end that wasn't you know I felt this conflict between the woman I was becoming and my values and the environment not the agency specifically but the, the industry this mm. kind of machine around it so I left I took myself out and found a place that I felt more at home until it was time to do my own thing and I don't know if that answers your question but mm. um, I think I don't know whenever I've worked I don't think I've ever thought I had a, po a moment where I thought I'm going to leave presenting or media. Um, but I've always tried to do things to grow as a person along the way. So I, I remember I, I didn't know how to swim. I, don't, I, hate, I don't, can't, couldn't swim and I don't like the cold. And then I did the show called 71 Degrees North for ITV where it was in the Arctic. <laughs> and I thought, gosh, just get out of your comfort zone, yeah. you know. So I did that, and that was really hard, and I really had to focus, but I came second on that. And then I couldn't ride a bike, and then the show came along. So I've used all the career to help me personally. Mm. So then this other show came along, Tour de Celeb, and they wanted um, some celebrities to cycle a part of the Tour de France, and it's called The Attack. Yeah. So seasoned cyclists do it. I had never ridden a bike. Well, I had the tour when I was younger, but I could I couldn't sit on the bike. And I thought, mm, should I do it? Should I do it? Because this is the only way I'm going to learn how to ride a bike so that I can ride on the children. <laughs> and I did it. I mean, it's the hardest thing. I mean, I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning and be on a watt bike for three hours oh, wow. to try and get myself bike fit. Yeah. But I still finished. Yeah. I finished that. And, and then MasterChef, I, I love to do things. So I've used the job to help me as a person. So I feel mm. like I'm always growing. Because it's easy to say, yeah, I'm not doing that because it's too hard. Or, whereas I was thinking, I'm gonna, I need to get something out of this. If I'm going to do this. So I haven't per se let said I want to leave media, but I've used it to sort of grow as a person and stuff. So every time I do a challenge, I feel like, in a way, I have taken a turn. Because, <coughs> you know, if I feel like I'm a better person or achieve something, I go, you know, move forward with more confidence and about myself. And what I can do. Mm. I mean, you won MasterChef, but um, Michael, your husband, <laughs> yeah. he, he got to the final. He did. To the final. Were you, are you competitive in your household? Are you like, were you like, yes, baby, I. I you know it's so funny. So when he did it <laughs> and he got to the final, from the five years, he was like, yeah, I'm a MasterChef finalist. So I've said, why don't you, why don't you add a bit more something to that or you know, a bit more salt, a bit bland or something? He goes, I'm a celebrity, MasterChef finalist. <laughs> So when they emailed me and said, you know, would you do it? I was like, nah, because if I don't get to the final, <laughs> you know, I've had this already. It's just going to be compounded. <laughs> so I was like, nah, nah, nah. And then they were like, come on. And then I said, what do you think? And Mike was like, yeah, just do it. Do yeah. it, do it. So I think once, I mean, the first time I walked into the kitchen, so yeah. you don't meet John and Greg, you walk in and they just tell you where you're standing and mm. you stand there and you're like, <laughs> like you, you know, you see the big M and then you see them too and you just get going. And I remember them, one of the first things they said was, you know, you know Michael got to the final and it was just like fresher <laughs> from day one. So once I got to the final, I was like, yes, yeah. fine. My work is done. Yeah. So if I don't win, it's, it's cool. We're at a level. We're at a level. I, I, all that rubbish chat <laughs> can just, just go. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think that's why I enjoyed the final because I just was just like, this is cool. <laughs> and then when they said I won, I was literally, what? Oh. I mean, I was just so overwhelmed and 
because I've always loved food and mm. and I love the, what food can do you know we all know you know if you have a good meal you're with your friends and you eat, it brings people together yeah. irrespective of you know backgrounds and you know colour and all, you know all those sort of things you just sit down and you can communicate and yeah. I love that so food is will always be a big part of my life and I think people didn't really know that I liked doing that yeah um, so it was quite nice to just... I think people did get to see another side of you. And, it, and that clip of you and you crying and saying, oh, you, Michael and your family, it's your inspiration, oh, yeah, that yeah. kind of went viral. Oh, well. gosh. It's really, what I'm really bad at is hiding how I feel. I can <laughs> never... I'll never be... You know, you know that some people have jobs and they can just do it? Mm. Like, I remember at CBBC, we used to say, they were like, we're giving away these prizes. And we're like, what? This is rubbish, you know? Like, <laughs> and so when they say, Angelica, just, just sell it. <laughs> and I'd be like... Coming up next, you've got a chance to win these. <laughs> <laughs> like that, because like, yeah. yeah, but you know, <laughs> I can't hide it. But that's what they like. That's why they wanted me to do it, because yeah. sometimes things aren't great. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to express yourself or, or say how you feel, because it's good. It's just better, you know. And also, you feel like you're, you're being true to yourself. No, definitely. So, yeah, no, that was... Michael, Michael loved that. He's like, you cried about me. I was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> I know we had um, a question there. Hi, uh, my name is Jade. First of all, I want to say thank you very much for coming and sharing your story on here. Um, I followed you both for quite a long time. I grew up watching you, Angelica and Jessica. I always wanted to attend one of your seminars at the British Library. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, because I run a youth engagement project, it's all about helping the next generation um, break into different career paths. And um, I wanted to ask yourself, with all the experience and everything you've achieved in your career, what are you doing to help the next generation? Is there anything, any initiatives you're part of? Is there anything you're doing to share your knowledge, your insight, your experience to help the next generation going through? Yeah, I mean, there's the formal stuff. So I'm on the board of a wonderful charity called Rock In Your Teens. Um, and then there's all the kind of informal stuff, which, you know, I did a talk the other day for um, a network called Blooms. And there was this young lady in the audience and she said, I've got emails that you sent to me when you were at Pride arranging our mentoring sessions that are, you know, and I was at Pride 18 years ago. She's got emails. And I said, can you send them to me? And she stood up and she was like, I just want to... And I just, I think, you know, it's not a thing for me. It's just, it's part of who I am. I have a team, you know, and I get the most joy genuinely out of just sharing what I have to, to, to share. Mm. Um, so there's, yeah, there's all sorts. There's all sorts of stuff. I'm, you know, I have more freebies in my workshops than people who pay because I, I'm just forever like, just come along. You should be there. You should be present. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, the, the pleasure is mine, to be fair. Um, a bit like you. And you should come. You should totally come. <laughs> you should buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, there's a formal staff. I'm like patron for quite a few charities. With, you know, whether it's literacy, whether it's, you know, children who have sicknesses and stuff. And, you know, I've, I've done things like go to hospitals where I'll go around the wards and just chat to them and, and just spend some time with them. You know, just things like that. Yeah. Um, I get, go to schools. If a school asks me to go and talk, I'm always happy to do that. I think it's mainly what I get asked to do, you know. Yeah. Um, 
But sometimes always... people don't know. I guess they can reach out to people yeah, like, you... like you guys. Sometimes people don't realize how you know open. And if you've got the time, obviously, then you'll you'll try and fit it in. And yeah, so, I always answer yeah. everybody who emails. Yeah. Always, even if I say I can't, or or I say I can't do it this year. Just email me next year. Yeah, you know. Um, I love it. I love talking to people. I think that's one of the things I love. One, with my job, with the CBBC or the One Show, I get to meet no, everyday normal people who've got amazing stories to tell. And, you know, you give them a hug. and You're like, how are you? And, you know, mm. I just love it. And, they, you know, most of the time people say, who, who, you know, which famous people you interviewed? And sometimes I can't remember. But I can remember somebody, I went to somebody's house and they made me some soup. Yeah. And we had a little natter. And, you know, have a cup of tea and they were telling, I would go through their pictures and they're telling me their story or what their life, what they've done. And those are the people that I think, oh my gosh, and I go away and I say, Michael, I met this woman who was so beautiful, just a lovely person. And we talked about, you know, and I remember those things. Yeah. I try and write them down and, right. and they, you know, these people, there's so many people who do good things. So it's not just celebrities. I mean, there's, you know, all, there's loads of people who try and help and stuff. And, we, you know, we try and do our, our little bit. And we know that it can publicise and help things. But if I can, yeah, I'll help. Right. I mean, you two have done a lot. I mean, who kind of... Did you ever have mentors or who, who, I guess, helped you or kind of to kind of get ahead? Did anybody or anybody mentor you to kind of help you get to where you are today? And do you believe... Do, do you think really. having a mentor is good? I mean, if you can uh, just ask for support, people are generally nice, you know, for sure. I had informal people that, you know, saw something in me before I saw it in myself and extend, like the woman in the hairdressers, you know, but I had to show up. It's always about, you know, when someone extends their hand, show up for it. Um, I always, I always did that. And when I got the internship, you know, I went above and beyond, you know, I was there after hours, I wrote the extra article, whatever, I made great tea, <laughs> nothing was too much, because yeah. I, you know, I needed that job, um, so yeah, tutors and staff at uni, who were like, you're not quitting, family, family, my family supported me. Yeah, teachers, I had some really good teachers, and, yeah. and stuff, I remember my politics teacher, she went, you should be on TV, Angelica, and I remember in my lesson, I was like, yeah, yeah, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Patterson, <laughs> Actually, you know, I wasn't on TV, so... I just think it's funny how you, you kind of have that teacher who says, yeah. who sees, actually, what you could be or what you should be and says it to you, and you like you, you say, oh, because I know I had a teacher that was like, you should be in marketing or in the media, and a teacher said that to me, and I mean, yeah. look, you're in TV, I'm yeah. in the media, and obviously you're the teacher that said, you know, go to, you know, do this or go to university, and mm-hmm. so I think we th- if you forget how those kind of people can be so instrumental in that, in our lives, even if it's just something small that yeah, they say or do. Totally. I remember when I, when I won MasterChef, my music teacher emailed me. I hadn't seen him for years and years and years. And he just said, I just wanted to email you it was, and just say, you know, you've done so well. And we are, and him and his wife, she was my form teacher, we are so proud of you. And it made me cry because I was like, they took the time to get in contact with me. And then I went to see them. Yeah. They were in Bristol and I went to see them. I said, I have to. And I was filming near there. And I went the day before and I was like, I went to see them. And I was like, thank you for helping me. Yeah. You know. Oh, amazing. So, and so thank you ladies so much for being here. It's been wonderful. You've given us so much amazing advice and it's been amazing to hear about your journeys. People want to find out more about you. Angelica, where can they find it? Where can they... See what's next for you. Uh, do you know? I'm not going to say my website because that needs updating. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, uh, social media, use your Instagram, I'll put some pictures up or something. Um, but there's um, an email address on my website in my <laughs> So I'm just not mucking about. So. It's all about the content. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, not yeah. The, the, the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, well, Jess? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, um, Yeah, just my, my, probably my website, jessicahuey.com or my handle, jessicahueymbe. Yes. See, that MBE, I mean, how did it feel getting that MBE? Do you know what, the best thing was taking my, my I took my mum and my dad and my daughter, but it was my dad, because he was just like, I never thought I'd be up in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the best moment, you know, it was, it was everything. That's to, amazing. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, the you have to get wind to, rush generation. Do you get nominated? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I've heard that you have to be nominated a few times. Like you, it's not just like a one year and you're in. So that's uh, quite, quite. That's yeah. really, that's amazing. Yeah. You don't know who nominated you. No, I, I have an idea, processes. but I, I'm not sure. That's and I think the application is not a short application either. So people you have, have to, to take, take the time. time to do that. So mm. it's a, so that's it's really major. lovely. That's mm. someone. <laughs> wanted to do that yeah. week. Well, thank you both for being here and being on the show. So everybody, guys, make sure that you keep on tuned into Black Magic Podcast, our Acast and Apple Podcasts. We are back here on the 28th of June with Yasmin Evans and Paige Keiki for the next episode and entertainment by Imani Talifa. And we are also at the London Podcast Festival in September. So there's a lot of Black Magic coming up, as well as um, the Black Magic Awards on the 1st of October um, at the Criterion Theatre. So there's a lot of things happening. It's um, a great time. So keep it locked to us. Thank you to Soho Music Month for allowing us to put this event on, for Lush, for its amazing space, and for Creative Media Networks and everybody that was behind this great event today and unedited who... Um, produce and edit the podcast so thank you guys you can listen back to the podcast soon on those networks and you can also make sure you share this video again and again and again so thank you guys thank you